You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast, sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit lonocoffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. And by Dizzy Pig Barbecue. Visit dizzypigbarbecue.com, use the coupon KIND15, that's K-E-I-M-15, for 15% off your order shipped in the U.S. They have some fun recipes with their IPA seasoning, which I just bought the other day. Today, I talk Washington and Dallas with ESPN Cowboys reporter Todd Archer, you think this team has issues? Todd and I discuss Dallas's woes. Misery loves company. And then I have on former NFL scout Tyler Roman once again for some fantasy football talk. Some goodbyes, some sleepers, and the Washington-Dallas matchup from a fantasy perspective. You can follow Todd on Twitter at Todd Archer, T-O-D-D-A-R-C-H-E-R, and Tyler at NFL Scout 21 and you can read my work on ESPN.com. I have a story up now about quarterback Kyle Allen taking a look at Sunday's game, but how more so he fits into the bigger picture here, does he? On Thursday, I'll be joined by former Washington tight end Logan Paulson to break down Scott Turner's offense and more. I'll also answer your Therapy Thursday questions. And now, here's my conversation with ESPN's Todd Archer. Well, now I'm joined by Todd Archer, our ESPN guy in Dallas. And Todd, I kind of knew that the team I cover would be in this spot at one and five after six <laughs> weeks. Did not expect what's going on in Dallas. And I know, is it is it just about the injuries or is there something more going on here? It's part of the injuries, right? I mean, but every team has them. Uh, so you can't use that as an excuse. Uh, it's part of the pandemic that you didn't have a offseason of work with a new coaching staff and kind of get accustomed to what they want to do and the imp- implementation of a new system. But your team and three other teams have gone through that as well. Uh, you can't use that as an excuse. I, you know, I, I, I'm coming more and more to the realization of they're just not that good. This is what they are. They, they, after the last year's 3-0 and start to the season, they're now 7 and – help me out with my math here. Uh, 7 and – 7 and something. Six, 16, okay. maybe. <laughs> I mean th- that this is what they are. This is a this is a pattern. This is a trend. They're more this team than than the team that you think would be a Super Bowl contender. Why? And you can look at the offense. Like the offensive line has been decimated. Obviously losing Dak Prescott. But why is the defense this bad? <laughs> no excuses. They 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 have none. And, and it, it, people can say, well, they didn't put any resources into it. Demarcus Lawrence is making got a hundred one million dollar contract. Jalen Smith is making $13 million a, a year as their, their linebacker. Leighton Vander Esch was a first-round pick. He's only played parts of two games, so don't put a lot of him. Trayvon Diggs is a second-round pick. Um, you look at the defensive front, Everson Griffin, Tyrone Crawford, Dante Ray Poe, you know, Tristan Hill before he could hurt. Those were high-valued either free agents or, or draft picks by this team. 
and none of them are playing up to their capabilities. If you, if you had to pick one player that has exceeded expectations through six games, it's probably Alden Smith, and that's because the expectations were so low because he hadn't played a game since 2015. So if he's your best defensive player, that that's showing you just how bad this whole thing is. And, you know, the, you can say the scheme is too complex and they're too, under, too many things and they don't have guys that fit what they want to do. BS. They're, they're just not that good. And, and that might be my answer for the rest of the season. <laughs> well, that's that pretty much covers everything, though. But yeah. with, with, I mean, and, and that's I was going to ask you about the scheme, too, because I've heard that as a, as a complaint that, you know, he's running a more complex scheme than they used to run. But you're not buying that, are you? Well, yeah. I mean, OK, it is more complex than what they ran last year because they ran one coverage basically the entire season. And players lauded the fact that there was going to be some disguise and different elements of this defense and what they had under Rod Marinelli and Chris Richard. Well, now that they're trying to implement some of that, now players are saying, well, it's too complex. Well, then they just got dumb players because it's not like they're, just, they're not reinventing the wheel here and, and how they're doing it. If they have to, they have to simplify, okay, you got to simplify. Well, well, guess what? The Cleveland Browns ran for 307 yards. That's not a complicated defense. That's just getting your butt whipped. Arizona uh, on Monday night ran all over them, especially in the second half. That's not a complicated scheme. That's just getting your butt kicked. They're not winning any one-on-one battles up front. The defensive line has been a disappointment. Their linebackers subsequently have not been able to get off blocks to make tackles. And then the secondary is not in position to make plays on anything. So should I say it again? They're just not good. (laughs) (laughs) Again, there's a theme here. How much... (laughs) Like, you know, I'm covering a team that has a first, a new head coach to, to a team. So do you, Mike McCarthy. And he's has his own track record, as did Ron Rivera. What has been your take on McCarthy? And, and I mean, are you surprised by what's going on, given his track record or not? Yeah, absolutely surprised. Because you, you see nine playoff appearances and four NFC title games. And I, I saw his team beat the Cowboys twice in the divisional round of the playoffs in 14 and 16. You see them win a Super Bowl here at AT AT&T Stadium. And I wrote about this after, I forget which one of the debacles, it might have been the Cleveland game, where I just thought it would be different. And this looks so similar to what Jason Garrett, that era looked like for his tenure as the coach. There's too many big plays allowed. There's too many penalties and turnovers on offense. And game management has been bad. John, they have a hard time counting to 11 on special teams. Jim Fossil was supposed to be this special teams guru that they got from the Rams. Well, they've had two bad fake punts that got stopped against Atlanta. Uh, they've missed field goals in key situations. And now they can't count to 11. They had 10 guys. They had 12 guys on the field against the Giants. Gave them a penalty. They kicked a field goal. They had 10 guys on the field for a couple other plays. And they had 10 guys again on a punt against the Cardinals. They can't even count to 11. So they're just bad. <laughs> Uh, that offensive line, too, I mean, decimated. This was the heart of that offense as much right. as Dak Prescott was doing it. But what is the state of that line? Because, like, I know that, you know, you guys out for the season and you lo- and Martin goes out the uh, Monday night. And what's left there? And can they manufacture anything with this group? And, and you know, I, I think when, when I say when people, when Cowboys fans are going to see, or oh, they're playing Washington this week, that's a win. Okay, well, look at Washington's strengths. You tell me. I think it's their defensive line, right? So you look it at is. With the Cowboys. Yeah, you look at the Cowboys and what their offense is right now. Tyron Smith and Leo Collins, their tackles, they're out for the season with neck and hip injuries. Uh, both had surgery. They're, they're done for the year. 
Travis Frederick retired in the offseason, and you mentioned Zach Martin got hurt. The Cowboys went from the best offensive line in football to a whole bunch of guys that you don't even know. At one point in the game on Monday, I'm like, wow, this is a preseason game offensive line that you're seeing out there from the Cowboys. Two undrafted tackles, Brandon Knight and Terrence Steele, left and right tackle. Connor Williams is a former second-round pick that has started every game that he's played for the Cowboys since 2018, but he's not played up to the potential I think everybody thought he had. Their right guard who replaced Zach Martin is Connor McGovern, a third-round pick, who entering Monday had played two snaps in his career. And then their center now isn't even Joe Looney, the veteran that was replacing Travis Frederick. It's their fourth-round pick, Tyler Biotish. So you tell me what it – it goes quick, man. I mean, it, this is – this shapes up as a bad matchup for the Cowboys coming up this week when you look at what Washington's strength is. And good luck, Andy Dalton. Try and make this one work. Yeah, and that that is like that's the it's the one good part, and the the Washington's defensive line has not recorded the sacks that I think people expected, but they are still a very solid group, and it is the one strength of this. It's the it is the strength of this team, if that strength can be used as a word for a one and five team. How about with Dalton? Well, I guess with Dak Prescott out, what do they miss most with him? We can look at the stats, but what do they miss right. most with him? Yeah, I mean, he was the leader, the heartbeat, all that kind of good stuff, right? And, and and clearly, he covered up a lot of what ails this team. Uh, when you look, I mean, he still leads the league in passing, and he's not played the last five and a half quarters of the season. Uh, he was playing really well. Now, he had too many giveaways. He had four turnovers and lost three fumbles. Uh, and I'm sure we'll get to Zeke here and his fumbles here in a second. But th- they missed just his presence and it's not a knock on Andy Dalton, but, I mean, Dak is a special guy when it comes to that. So, you know, when you lose that, I think guys look around and they always knew, like, okay, Dak can bail us out. Dak will make a play. Dak will get us in the right look. And, again, not an offense to Andy Dalton because he's played a lot of football and he's won a lot of games. Cincinnati went to the playoffs. But he's not done that here. So guys are kind of like, well, can Andy do this? And then can the coaches, can they help him out? They didn't do really much of anything to help him out in terms of, hey, let's keep a running back in the chip. Let's have the tight end kind of knock around the defensive end before he goes out. Let's, you know, the answer was get the ball out of his hand quickly. That worked really well. He averaged 1.3 air yards per completion in the first half against Arizona, and they scored three points. I mean, this is, that's not winning football uh, in any stretch. And the turnovers, regardless of who's that quarterback, has killed the Cowboys the entire year. And it's funny because they're talking on the broadcast about how any quarterback would like to go in the situation he's in with all the skill talent around him. But with that front, he's not, I don't know that he's the best quarterback for that kind of a front, given that he's not, he's not a Kyler Murray or Dak where you can yeah. keep that play alive. The he way can you move. Need. Yeah. He can move around. Right. But you, as you, you, you're not, he, he's not those guys. I mean, he can right. move around and buy some time. And, and But I, I was listening to the broadcast during the game as well. And they're like, They've got to press it down the field. Well, they can't because the line couldn't hold up. I mean, Brandon Knight, their left tackle, one snap, didn't even get out of his stance and let up a pressure to, I believe, the guy who was replaced. And the Cardinals didn't have Chandler Jones. He was out. He's done for the season. And and they couldn't handle the pressure. So it's not going well here for for your Dallas football Cowboys. You know, it's funny because when you do these podcasts with the opposing writers in one and five – 
You know that people aren't as excited about the game, but I think a lot of Washington fans will enjoy this one because it's the misery loves loves company. And Dallas was supposed to, was supposed to have a good year. But two more topics. One, you brought up Zeke's fumbles. What's going on there? I mean, this you know, it, I mean, what's going on? The only thing I can say now is it's in his head. Um, it, you know, I had someone tell me they like, well, he's wearing sleeves, and the sleeves leads to his fumbles. Well, I went back and looked at all the lost fumbles he's had. The only time he had sleeves on was this game when he lost both against the Cardinals and all four of his lost fumbles, which are a career high. He only had five in his first four seasons in the league. All four of those have been turned into touchdowns by the opposing team. I think it's in his head. He He's not a fumbler. He's had fumbling issues. But is this Tiki Barber again from back in the day? I remember when the Giants and he had the issues. Oh, yeah. Uh, when he came, when, when Z came back in, he was benched for, say, eight plays, almost a full series. He was looking for the sideline because he knew that he was struggling. And he, he knew he and now defenses, you know, are, are coming after him and looking to poke the ball free because he's because he's had these things. And I. I I don't know how you fix it other than just don't fumble, like hold it high and tight. The Cowboys do all these drills, right? And every team does. It doesn't seem like any of them really seem to matter because not only they turn the ball over too much, they can't take it away either. Like they're they're dreadful taking the ball away. That's a problem. (laughs) That's that's always a problem. And I've seen that here too, where where they when they are turning it over. The problem is they're also not stopping teams when they do turn over. Um, last last topic is C.D. Lamb. I've kind of enjoyed watching this kid. How good has he been for the Cowboys so far? Yeah, he's the first Cowboys receiver, I think, that have at least five catches in the first six games. He, he's not been a disappointment at all. Uh, he's made he's made big plays uh, from, from the first week, although I can't think of one last night because they scored one touchdown. It's funny, you know, you look at how bad the defense is and people say, well, they shouldn't have taken C.D. Lamb with that pick. Okay, then you never then never say take the best player because at 17, he was clearly the best player available. You, you had to take him. Uh, he's, been, he's been everything you'd want. Uh, the interesting thing I would think of is, let's say the, the draft was before free agency and the Cowboys knew that they had C.D. Lamb number 17 overall. Well, they have signed Amari Cooper to a $20 million a year contract. Could he be with your Washington football team? Uh, yeah. to today instead of re-signing with the Cowboys in that deal. That's an interesting, I wonder, kind of deal if you think about how the, the offseason's played out. Yeah, and I'm I'm a, I'm a big – listen, if they had taken a defensive player at that spot, I don't think they're probably that much better. That kid no. is really good, and it's going to be good for a long time because he can hurt you from many different spots too. Um, and so I think that was a, a very wise pick. But, Todd, I appreciate you joining me. It's going to be a death march to the finish line in the NFC East. So six and 10, six and 10 win this division. Well, here's, here's my scenario is that there's going to be a team that's six and nine and resting starters in week 17. Cause they've already <laughs> clinched the division. That's what I'm expecting. So that's what I, I'm kind of hoping for that too, to be honest. So, all right. Well, and they get the host playoff game. Yeah, they, oh my God. Well, thanks for coming on Todd. You got it. Thanks John. All right. After this break, I'll be back with Tyler Roman for some fantasy football discussion. He has some good fantasy buys, starting with a player on the Chargers. I used to love making all of my own spices. Now I love reaching for one of Dizzy Pig's craft seasonings. Based in Manassas, Virginia, they grind their spice combinations daily, and it's easy to see why they've built a loyal following over the past 20 years. 
Dizzy Pig owner Chris Capel has won 15 championships on the Pro Barbecue Tour using only their products. And I've heard from other pitmasters on the Barbecue Tour that insist on Dizzy Pig. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Just recently, I cooked a ribeye with their cow lick seasoning. Fantastic flavor. My wife really likes the mole and the Peruvian, and the popular Dizzy Dust is truly all-purpose. And if you're cooking turkey during the holidays, you have to use their Mad Max Turkey Rub. It's seasonal, so you can buy it now until January. With 27 different blends, there is a seasoning for just about any recipe or cooking technique. Get 15% off your online order shipped in the U.S. if you use the coupon KIND15, that's K-E-I-M-15, at DizzyPigBBQ.com. That's D-I-Z-Z-Y-P-I-G-B-B-Q.com. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with Tyler Roman. All right, Tyler. Well, welcome back. As always, thanks for coming on. Let's jump into the fantasy football pool and just say who are some guys who are maybe trending in the right direction or who might be good plays and pickups this week. I think you look at a guy like uh, Justin Jackson, the running back from the Chargers. Uh, He had a nice game two weeks ago on Monday night against the Saints, uh, playing for Austin Eckler, who's going to be out for a couple weeks with that hamstring injury, if not more. Uh, this week he has the Jaguars, who's given up at least 123 yards in the last five games and is in the bottom five with a line rushing yards per game. So I think he's a really good play uh, for guys that are on by. But even though I think he might be a nice RB2 going for a couple weeks forward now with Eckler out. If you need a quarterback to start, I think Joe Burrow someone you pick up. Uh, he played the Browns this week. They have a pretty poor secondary. Um, he scored at least 16 points in four of his six games this year. And, I mean, he's a great young quarterback, and he's only going to get better as the season progresses. Um, a guy like DeAndre Swift from the Lions, uh, he had a really nice game this past week, also against the Jaguars, uh, 116 yards, two touchdowns, also had three catches, kind of his breakout game. Uh, he's a really good player from Georgia that I like. He's a rookie, um, great out of the backfield as well, and he's only to get better and get more carries as the season goes on because he's you know distinguished himself as that lead dog in that backfield. And uh, one more guy, I guess, would be Tim Patrick from the Denver Broncos, back-to-back 100-yard games. Another guy you need if you have a receiver on by. Uh, like I said, coming off back 100-yard games, and he's one of the main guys on offense right now with Corlin Sutton out to go along with Jerry Judy and Noah Fant. So I know Drew Locke will continue to look his way coming uh, these next couple weeks coming up. So, And then what about are there some sleeper guys, some under-the-radar guys that would go along with those? Um, you know, I would say maybe LaMichael Piron from the Jets, you know, running back. I know not, no one really wants to play anyone from the Jets, and I get that they're pretty putrid team, horrible team right now. But – just volume-wise, he is a fourth-rounder for them out of Florida. Had uh, 40 catches last year for Florida senior year, so he's a, another threat of the backfield to get some more opportunities to get the ball in his hand. Uh, it would, I would think he's a guy that they're going to try to get him more involved. Like Adam Gase even said as much. You know, Frank Gore is really his only other competition, and for a team that really needs to find out who their players are going forward, they really need to get him the ball and see if he's someone that could be a starter for them in the coming season. So I think he's someone you guys should look into. Um, another guy... Ryan Tannehill has been picked up a little more the last couple of weeks, but I think he might be a guy you can start the rest of the season. The way he's played the last couple weeks, he's had 25 points in three of his five games. It's a tough matchup this week against Pittsburgh, so maybe stay away from this week. But after that, I think he's a, a guy that uh, guys can feel confident about starting as their QB1 going forward the rest of the season. If you have Hilaire from Kansas City and now you got Le'Veon Bell coming, what do you think? What do you what would you do there? I would still start Clyde. I mean, I, the game last night against 
the Bills, he had his best game of the year, 160 yards. Um, I think Andy, they they like Clyde. I think he's a perfect fit for what Kansas City wants to do. You know, a little bit in that Brian Westbrook mold um, to an extent. You know, going back in Andy's Philly days. So I think he is their guy. I think Le'Veon Bell is going to be a heck of a change of pace guy for them, and another guy out of the backfield. I think he's going to take more of Daryl Williams' role, the backup there currently for Kansas City. So I think I think Clyde still should be an RB one or RB two at the uh, at the I guess at the least. And so I think guys, you know, if you have Clyde, I wouldn't worry too much. I think he is their guy going forward. But obviously, Le'Veon's going to get some touches. They signed him for a reason, and that team just constantly loading up on weapons. They're trying to repeat, so it makes sense. And then let's take a look at the Washington-Dallas game. <laughs> despite <laughs> despite the kind of the garbage nature of the game, there is some fantasy football implications because the defense for Dallas is dreadful and Washington's defense has had its issues. How do you look at this game from a fantasy perspective? Well, this might be one of the least anticipated Washington-Dallas games that I can remember, so it's going to be <laughs> a little crazy to look at. But fantasy-wise, I think you got to start Terry if you uh, have him from the Washington ball team perspective. Uh, Dallas' secondary is bad. You know, Terry's going to have a good game. I expect him to probably approach 100, yard, 100 yards this game. Like I said, the secondary is bad, and the, the, the team could be behind, so they're going to you know try to make up that ground with Terry. Um, running back with that same, Antonio Gibson has struggled these last couple of weeks, so I don't know if I'd really start him. Um, but if you if you got him and you have a – yeah, for the flex position, I get it. Um, if you're in a pass a point per reception league, J.D. McKissick is a good, is a good option. He's had six receptions at least in the last three games. So he's a guy out of the backfield, and they've given him a little more carries as well. So that's someone to consider. And from Dallas's perspective, I mean, Zeke obviously had a poor game last last night against Arizona, but you, you definitely got to consider him as well as a top running back in this league. I will say, matchup-wise, the Cowboys' offensive line is really bad, and the Redskins, excuse me, the Washington football team's D-line is great, and this should be a game they should eat on and have a great game. So I guess... Zeke still could get shut down, especially if Deron Payne plays like he did last week and, you know, stuffs him. So grain of salt with Zeke, but obviously I would start CD, Amari, Gallup. I think uh, they'll have their, you know, normal receptions they've gotten last couple of weeks. And, you know, an indicator of last week, Andy's still going to throw the ball. So I think those guys are safe starts as well. And I agree. Deron Payne was really good last week. I want to close on Gibson, though, because as you brought him up, you know, some of the struggles, I think it's as much to me, it's a learning curve with him. Because he, it's clear that sometimes he's not as patient when he needs to be, whether with some pulling action or, the, you know, maybe he's I, – I felt like he was starting to lower his shoulder a little bit more through the hole at times. Mm-hmm. But what is it that you're seeing that maybe is the some of the struggles that you see him having? It's definitely a lack of patience. Like, I think he's not letting the plays develop. And I know that comes with time, especially with him being basically a receiver all of his – most of his career at Memphis, um, even his vision's been like, there's a couple cutbacks I saw he missed. Um, so I think it's just, he, it's going to come with time. It's it, it, like I said, it, he definitely is a very impatient runner as of now. You're right. I did like how he's you know, at least running lower to the ground at this point. Cause that was a real problem those first couple games. So they definitely need to get him back and, and get him going again. Cause he had a really good game against Baltimore, but he struggled the last two weeks, but like I said, patience has been the biggest thing that I've noticed with him. And, and like we said, there's something that's going to come with time. He's not—he's a very inexperienced running back. And I, I'm not saying he's going to be a good player, I think, for this team. But like I said, with a lot of players on this team, it's just going to take some time to develop at this point. So, I agree. I do think he's going to be good down the road. I don't know in what role, if he'll be like the full-time lead guy or a complimentary guy. But I yeah, do like – yeah, I do like what he offers down I, – I think I like what he offers now, but I really like what he offers down the road – 
we'll see what role. But anyway, Tyler, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. You've heard me talking about Lono Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Lono Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, lonoakcoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right, put a little jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, it's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E. O-A-K coffee.com. Use promo code coffee2020 for a discount. You can thank me later. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Todd and Tyler for joining me and thanks to you for listening. Please support our sponsors, Lono Coffee and Dizzy Pig Barbecue. I'll talk to you Thursday with Logan Paulson.